We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Let's talk about sex. Legends, remember the days when you were always ready to go. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in the bedroom. Listen up, bluechew.com. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever the opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. Best part about it, it's all done online. So no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew tablets are made in the U.S. and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. Blue Chew wants to help you have better sex and better strokes. Discover your options at BlueChew.com. Chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew for free when you use our promo code VM at checkout. Just pay $5 for the shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code VM, to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we can't thank BlueChew enough for sponsoring the podcast. Fucking nailed it. Yeah, 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 now this the black sheep sticking it to him, I need a crib like I'm Gatsby, I need it in hand, just understand my pocket's that deep, with nothing to prove, I ain't got nothing to do, and it can't compete, and I got nothing to lose, you see they told me I'm the one that's gonna benefit, Ah, yes. What's good, everybody? Welcome back to Veterans Minimum, the number one sports betting vibe on the internet. I'm your host, Nick Dayas. At Nick Dayas 10 is where you can find me. All things Veterans Minimum are at Veterans Minimum. Let's get right into the show. I'm excited. We got a packed out show. Got a lot of different topics to touch on. And joining me on the other line, my guy, my compadre, A-double-L-E-N, baby. What up? We back. Very opportune time after the trade deadline. All the sports is happening right now. Man, we also got some heavyweight matchups this Sunday. It's dope. It's super dope. Well, it sucks that the one game is going to be at 6 a.m. 
for the boy out here. Oof, it's going to feel like an English Premier Yikes. League game having to get up early. But you basically got a bar fight at for every slate, right? Like you got the early window. Then in the afternoon, you got Eagles, Cowboys. And then the night game, you got the Bills and the Bengals. And then Monday night football. I want Seahawks Ravens got to give some love too. I know we're, we're not planning to cover it, but Seahawks Ravens, this is, this is a hell of a matchup. Seahawks Ravens is definitely a bar fight as well. The two birds going at it. And I feel like we should start actually with the Seahawks because one of the things I want to discuss on the show with you today is some of the trades that went down. Now, there wasn't any McCaffrey type trade that went down like last year, but I do think that there's a couple of big names that got moved. There may be big names in the sense of they're probably not going to help your fantasy team, but big names in the sense of dudes that could have an impact on teams right away. And for some of these teams... Super Bowl aspirations. And for some of the other teams, especially with how chaotic Allen, the NFC is, might still have a chance to maybe sneak in at like seven and 10 as the seventh wild card, which is how things are shaping up as you're laughing. And hey, man, look, for as bad as shit has been in New York for the Giants, you know, they're only a game and a half back of the seventh seed. (laughs) I knew this. We've been critical of the seventh seed for years, but if if there's a seventh seed that's seven and 10, there's got to be a rule change. Eight and nine is somewhat tolerable. Seven tens, no, you can't double digit losses to make the playoffs. Bro, that's so bad, dude. That's so bad. And you're right. We got to do something where, like, if you if you don't get to five hundred or better, you got to be out. Like, just give the team the buy. Do something. Make it make it so that you don't have to play. I know we're we're trying to be funny with this one, and it's not going to happen. But let's start it off, man. Leonard Williams gets traded from the Giants. He goes to the Seahawks. As a Giants fan, I love it. He's making a lot of money, and the team is in the worst position that you could be in. You're kind of in no man's land, right? You're paying guys big money, and they're just not performing. Or in some cases, like the Giants in this situation with Leonard Williams, it's like the team isn't performing well. So they get a second round pick in return and I believe a fifth round pick. He goes to Seattle. Definitely could use some help on the run defense in Seattle. What'd you think of this move when it went down, bro? Seattle loves helping New York franchises with uh, trades. First Jamal Adams, now Leonard Williams. Yep. They love just giving big draft capital to limited players. I like Leonard Williams, but there's limitations there. You'll know quite you, what you're going to get week in, week out. But he is a capable interior rusher. It's just that's a lot to give up. And I'm not thrilled about that. But I think Seattle needs some juice because I think Seattle, they're kind of someone in an all-out mode now. I, 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 it's kind of weird because I don't really view them as Super Bowl contender, but they're certainly ready to compete in January. So I do like the aggressiveness just to stay competitive in that. There are some heavyweights there. So I don't totally hate the move, but... Oof, second round pick, especially when you consider how well they drafted the last two years. Like we're gonna look, I always say we're gonna look back at these Seahawks draft classes the last two years and just be mesmerized over how many high impact players they've had. So I think that's why I'm a little down on just because you've drafted so well. And now you get a second rounder for a player who kind of peaked. I don't know. Yeah, I love that you mentioned that with him kind of peaking. I would say he definitely peaked. He's not the same player he was two years ago where I was nervous as hell when the Giants got him from the Jets that they were going to pay him and he wanted like Aaron Donald money. I remember us having the conversation 
back when I was in Queens and we were recording the show there. Um, look, three years ago, he had an 11 and a half sacks with the Giants in his first year. And then through 2023, he has a sack and a half. Um, as a Giants fan, I like that they got something in return. Second round picks sometimes can be first round picks and they're way cheaper. It's the old Belichick approach. What the Patriots used to always do is like, yeah, we'll trade back. We'll just get more second round picks because we could get a first round talent and not have to pay him as much. And it's, you also get the extra year too, which is also super helpful. But he's just not the same player that he was a couple of years ago, Alan. And I think that it's something that I've noticed watching him week in, week out. Dexter Lawrence has definitely emerged as the alpha the last couple of years. And he, Leonard Williams was always more of a pass rushing D end, uh, defensive tackle, I should say, where like Lawrence was more of like a run stopping defensive tackle. And for the Seahawks, look, man, right now, if the playoffs started today, Allen, they win the division. So they think that they have a chance to be a serious contender. And I like a lot of their roster. I'm still not buying into Geno. I think that eventually, you know, he's not as accurate as he was last year. He has some issues this year that he wasn't having to deal with last year. But, dude, the secondary is like LOB 2.0. With Witherspoon and then uh, Woolen from last year, and I think they're just trying to build on on the defense because that's that's definitely their weakness, in my opinion, of the two sides of the ball. Absolutely. What do you think of staying in division? Chase Young goes to the Niners, dude. A couple of weeks ago, I was talking with Josh on the pod, and we were doing fake trades, and I was like, "Yo." If I'm San Francisco, I would go and add to my strength. The player that I had picked, bro, was Carolina's Brian Burns, just because he's been rumored to get traded the last couple of years. But they go and they get Chase Young. I think Chase Young, and from having conversations with some people that cover Washington, the name and the, the like performance, it's like one of those, right? Where like, the name Chase Young, top five pick, it's not living up to what the talent is right now. He's picked it up this year. He looks healthier. Um, I'll say I've seen a couple games, whether it was against Denver or Atlanta, he looks a lot more spry. Obviously, injuries have played his career, but That's and he's not particularly against the run. But you smell like a pure bull rushing defensive end, guy who's just going to generate power. I think it's worth the risk. Um, I know his long-term health. I think that's why... It, that uh, the commander's only got a third round pick from because people are concerned about his knee, but he looks better than ever. I would say because I thought his rookie year was kind of overrated. Like he was good against the run, but just he got a lot of those like uh, coverage sacks or just sacks where he didn't really beat the man. It was just more like him being in the right position. This year, I just see him generating pressure. So I, I thoroughly like the move. It's just long term. He, he needs to prove more just because he's been out for so long. And even when he's been on the field prior this year, it hasn't been all that impressive. You know what this move kind of remind me of? The Niners have done this before. Obviously, they did it with McCaffrey last year. But even prior to that, bro, remember they got Emmanuel Sanders like halfway through one of the seasons? And that was when they went to the Super Bowl and they kind of had no intentions of re-signing him. So it was a bona fide rental. 
I don't know if he'll be able to pay Chase Young. This guy's going to be a free agent after this year. Even if they have no intentions, I just think they gave up a third round pick for him. And if it ends up working out, you're just building on your strength, right? Like that's something that I love. That's what I love about Philly. Can't believe I'm saying that. That's what I love about the Niners. Talked about this so many times where you just continue to build on your strength. Their front is where their team and the core of their team is really at its at its best. So they're just adding more to that. And now Chase Young doesn't need to be the number one edge rusher there. He's going to be a complementary piece to Bosa and Hargrave and all the other guys on that front. Where now it's like the expectations are a little lower. You don't need to be the franchise anchor that you were supposed to be in Washington. I think he could have a Von Miller type of impact, bro. I really do. Especially with him never needing to command a double team because they got to worry about Bosa on the other side. And then you got Warner in the middle. Like this is this could be a monster move, dude. And I think they could manage his snaps well, where he doesn't have to play more than 30, 35 snaps, keep him fresh. Because Armstead's still there. Like, they have so much money invested in their D-line between Bosa, Hargrave, Armstead. Uh, they signed Randy Gregory on a wild card. I know Randy Gregory's manly inconsistent, but there's times where Randy Gregory could take over a game. So I love what they're doing to the D-line because I think they've kind of recognized their secondary as a weakness. And I don't think they could... Uh, they didn't have much to work with trade-wise. Like, I know you mentioned Brian Burns, but I don't think they could have traded a first-round pick or multiple first-round picks. I think what they had to work with it was a third-round pick at most and kind of used it to get Chase Young. I do think their secondary is a problem, but look, in the NFC, you got to be able to rush the passers, so more than capable of doing it. Yeah, and I think they're just looking at it. Who are you going to have to beat? Are you going to have to beat Hurts? Might have to beat a, a Dallas. And then when you get to Detroit. the Super Bowl, yeah, Detroit, right? When you get to the Super Bowl, you'll play a Cincinnati, a Baltimore, Kansas City, maybe Buffalo. It's like you got some, you got some quick and elite quarterbacks that you got to deal with. So yeah, just building on that. Are you uh, are you a fan of what Washington is doing? I know they've kind of been a punching bag for the last couple of years for many reasons, but you know they also get rid of Montez Sweat too. They seem to be like an absolute complete rebuild. They sent him to Chicago, but. Before we dive into like the Chicago acquisition of Sweat, how you feel about what's happening in Washington, bro? I think it's time for a clear out. Um, if you like Ron Rivera, you probably don't like this move because I don't think Ron Rivera is going to be there for a long haul. But I'm not opposed to it. I think they got good draft capital. I think Sweat is a good player, but they're going to get, what, a high second-round pick because we know Chicago's not going to win many games. So they essentially got some real good draft capital work with them. It's just they've tried to build through the D-line and it hasn't been the most winning strategy. Of course, if they had a better O-line and quarterback, and I think if they drafted better in the secondary, could, they could have done better. But it's just they need a whole organizational reshift. And I know right now they're kind of going through that with the new owner, uh, who ironically traded James Harden the same day as Josh Sweat, uh, Montrez Sweat, excuse me, and Chase Oak. So he's going through a lot, Josh Harris. But now that Washington... They, they've kind of had the same recipe for the last three years and it hasn't trans, translated into success. So I'm all for the uh, trade clear out. Yeah, they definitely got to do a complete rebuild out with the old and with the new. I think they'd also got to be with the head coach. I don't know how much longer Ron Rivera could be there. 
but that's not really a surprise to anyone. The thing that's interesting though about this move, and I was talking to one of my friends at the gym today that, that's a Bears fan, and it's like, why, why make this move, bro, if you're Chicago? This guy's going to be a free agent. You're giving up a third round pick for him. Is he? Second. What's up? Second round pick. Oh, second round pick. You're right. Oh, third round. Uh, uh, Chase Young was uh, the third round pick. Yeah. Uh, second round pick. And it's like, bro, you're going to have to pay this dude. And is he like, he's dope if he's making the money he's making now. It's the same thing with Leonard Williams. Like Leonard Williams was amazing when he was making what he was making. And then now the expectation becomes higher when you're making $20 million a year. It's like, now you need to produce at a high level. Where before when you're producing and you're making $7 million a year, it's like, oh, this is a bargain. So I just don't understand what Chicago is doing. Like they did this last year when they, when they got Claypool. And then like, he's not on the team a year later. I think they're back on talent because um, Sweat's entering his prime. But the concern is, how's he going to do without Jonathan Allen, Deron mm. Payne, commanding all that? So it's coming from a place where he was protected. wasn't the focal point. Yeah, yeah now he's going to Chicago where there is nothing there. Chicago is very much just trying to find talent. So uh, I think they have all intentions of paying him. It's just a matter of... Uh, you're going to be able to produce as that number one guy because sometimes it's hard to make that transition. There's some edge rushers that are just better as not situational role, but more like as the number two or even number three. Like you look at a guy like Leonard Floyd or a Dante Fowler, like they just were a disaster when they were considered to be the focal point of the defensive line. They, they were, were putting roles where they had to get 10 sacks. Then you see them go to Buffalo and Dallas now and they could just be contributors in. As the third piece works out. So that's what I'm concerned about with Sweat. But look, at this point, Chicago, they have a lot of draft capital. So why not take a chance? And Sweat has multiple seasons of productivity, which is encouraging. Yeah. Uh, Unlike, say, like a chick. Yeah. It's as if you were going to read my notes just now because he's one of seven players with at least five sacks in each of the past five seasons. Miles Garrett, TJ Watt, Khalil Mack, Max Crosby, my boy Brian Burns, and Chris Jones. So he he has been productive for sure. It's just, it's like Chicago, man. Like the, the Justin Fields stuff hasn't seemed to work out. I don't know if it's a coaching thing. At what point are we going to stop making excuses and kind of just blame him? Um, we got to wait and see. But... It's just uh, it's just weird, like giving up these draft picks for guys that seem to be just rentals. I don't understand. Like, it's not a move that's going to put you over the top. Like with, with the Niners, completely agree with that. I love that move for them. It's like, oh, yeah, we're going to do a rental with Chase Young, see what happens. Do we re-sign him? Who knows? Do we franchise him? Like, we're not sure. But for now, like, let's go all in on this year. And we have the best bargain in the league with Brock Purdy not getting paid. I know he hasn't. He's had a rough patch here the last two, three weeks, but everything is like case by case with me. I, I never like to just generalize and put everyone in a box. That's why I think for one team making a move on a rental and then another team making a move on a rental, it's two completely different conversations, bro. I think Chicago's case, so they have to, like, it, I think it'd be a travesty if they don't bring back Swift. They don't get the turns in because They've clearly made this move with the intentions of we need an edge rusher for a long term because they were bidding against Atlanta. Atlanta was very much in the 
uh, Mantra sweeps, sweeps, sweepstakes, but I don't think Atlanta want to go away a second, even though they had, I think, more assets to work with because they're probably going to get a second or a third Calvin Ridley deal. So the Falcons really were pushing for sweat, but for whatever reason, Chicago, I think them obviously going to be higher in the draft order compared to Atlanta probably helped, gave Washington the incentive, like, all right, let's do business with Chicago. So considering, like, look, Chicago's going to pick what? 33rd, 34, 30, like it's going to be high. You got to hope Sweat delivers and you got to hope you get to turn some because otherwise it's just that that regime is already a lot of pressure on because I don't know if Iberflus is going to be back. I think the GM will stay for a bit, but uh, there's been way too many misses and very, very much too little when it comes to successes. Other than DJ Moore, can't really think of much success over the past two years for Chicago when it comes to acquisitions. They spent all their free agency on linebacker money. And I love a three-down linebacker as much as a nice person. But when they're not really game changers, TJ Edwards, like, ah, this is what we're doing with our rebuild. Like, there's got to be more to it. And, bro, like, come on, man. I don't want to be that guy, but how much credit do you deserve for getting DJ Moore? Like, everyone knew he's a baller, right? Like, it's not like you found a diamond in the rough. I mean, to get those picks with DJ Moore, I thought it was Fair. pretty sweet. But not, not, okay. yeah, not to identify, because we all know DJ Moore is a stud, but I'm just talking about getting him in that deal with, with the first-round picks, which is, wow, okay, that's a coup. Okay, you swung me a little bit, because I was going to say, like, yeah, you acquired DJ Moore. Like, everyone knows he's a, a stud wide receiver. But yeah. you're right, dude. And, yo, truthfully, man, I think if if you're Chicago and, like, the it bottoms out the way it's headed— you have two first round picks next year because you made that trade with Carolina. I, I would probably start fresh, bro. Like why not get a new GM, get a new head coach. And then from there they can make the decision on Justin Fields. And if you have, they're probably going to have two picks in what the top eight, top five, maybe based on how things are projected right now. It's like, do you want to go and get a Caleb Williams or may from North Carolina? that would be the time to go and get it and to start fresh. Like I've always been a big proponent of, I want my GM to find my head coach. My head coach finds my quarterback. Whenever you got like the quarterback there and then the GM comes in and then the head coach, like it, it just becomes like a weird puzzle that you're trying to figure out. So it's going to be interesting to see. I do have a question for you, man. Is there a team or a trade that didn't go down that kind of upset you? And to add more to Add more context to this. What I mean is like Kansas City, for example, right? I'm not saying that they should have got D-Hop or Mike Evans. Like, yeah, that that those two guys could help a lot of teams in the league. But it's how I attack the draft, too. I like, I never like giving individual grades on the players. Because like, it's such a big unknown. But to me, it's, are you addressing the tackle issue that you have on defense, do you are you bad in the secondary and not making any moves? Like I feel like Kansas City, especially after that Denver game, bro. If Travis Kelsey isn't running wild, Allen, they can't move the ball downfield. It seems like, and I know reports are coming out that Mahomes was sick because like his kids at daycare got sick and they brought the flu home and all that, and he felt a little under the weather. And it's a divisional game; they just played each other like eighteen days before. That's always a weird spot. But man, it just it just seems like Kansas City, eventually it's going to come back to bite them that they don't have another guy that can make an impact on offense. I know there's a long-winded answer, bro, but like that's something that I'm looking at when I'm asking you this question. 
Yeah, like to me, they should have went all out and got Marquise Brown. I think Marquise Brown would have been the one player they could have realistically got. I don't think Hopkins was available after what the Titans did to the Falcons. I think Mike Vrabel is going to be competitive, and the Bucks aren't going to get rid of Mike Evans. So I think Marquise Brown, even though Arizona traded a first-round pick for him, and, of course, Kyler and him have great chemistry, although we don't know what Kyle's long-term status is. I just I think maybe they could have – Put together a trade to get Marquise Brown. Marquise Brown is the field stretcher. He's a deep threat. He has good hands. Like Marquise Brown, they could have been that number one where defenses have to respect them because right now those Chiefs receivers, other than Rasheed Rice, there's nothing to be encouraged. Like I, Justin Watson's a fun, cool deep threat, but he's good for maybe three targets. Besides that, you're not trusting any of his receivers. Yeah, he's not. And they're also, like, not making plays for him. Like, Sky Moore dropped a wide-open touchdown in the end zone against Denver. And like you're talking about, like, dude, that hit the middle of the 2-4. Like, that just... Literally hit. right between his hands. Yeah, like, like... it was right there. Come on, bro. Mahomes got to be like... Perfectly broken. Come on, fam. Like, what are we doing, bro? What do you want? The, the, the defender, like, slipped, too, I think, at the 5 yard. Like, it was wide open. It was something crazy. It's like, bro, this is what I got to deal with? He's like, I got to start throwing eight yards to Noah Gray like every play from now on if Kelsey's covered. This is what you're making me do at this point. But uh, when it comes to teams... I was going to mention that of all the trades that went down, the the odds for all of those teams did not move in any direction. So that kind of gives you an idea of like the impact that some of these players could potentially have. Um, it's also not like a... It's weird when it's not a an offensive player, I feel like offensive player or a quarterback odds don't change as much. And that's what I think you saw with that. I just wanted to point that out there from a betting standpoint, but what were you going to say? Uh, when it comes to teams, I wish the Jaguars could have got edge rusher, but I know their draft capital is limited because they're going to have to give a second or a third to Atlanta once Calvary really, I forgot what the incentives are, but I think it really goes over a thousand. It's either a second or a third, which seems likely. Um, but I'd stick Jacksonville. They look so good right now. And I just, they need one more body up front. Pair them with uh, Josh Allen. And I think they could cause some serious damage. So I wish Jacksonville maybe could have got a Josh Uche or I don't know what other edge rushers out there, but it would have been good to see him as someone. Uh, this might be controversial, but I think the Browns should have done everything possible to get Jacoby Brissett back. I think who knows what Deshaun Watson is going to look like the rest of the year. Uh, you just can't depend on PJ Walker. I think given the history and the comfortability between Kevin Stefanski and Joe, Jacoby Brissett, trade should happen. Because I think Sam Howell's going to start every game. I don't think Sam Howell's at risk of being bent. Even though he's on pace to take about 78 sacks, which is absurd, I still think Jacoby Brissett's probably not going to see a snap this season with the commanders. So I think it would have been cool to see him in Cleveland. Because Cleveland's already shown this year they're willing to take players back. They, they signed Kareem Hunt back. And I don't think the commanders would be asking for a huge pick to get Brissett. So I'm a little disappointed Cleveland to make that happen because this is a really talented team. That's I think they could win a playoff game. So the fact that they're kind of hamstrung a quarterback and they had the opportunity to address it with, to me, the best backup QB in the league and someone that's capable of managing teams and winning games, they should have gotten Jacoby Brissett back. It's, it's unbelievable how much shit the Browns took for the Deshaun Watson contract, both from like public perspective inside the league. 
it kind of ruined contracts for quarterbacks, right? We kept making the joke of like, every quarterback's going to want to surpass that number. All contract negotiations were so difficult because this dude didn't play for a year and a half. And he had all the, not that he didn't play for a year and a half, but he had all the shit off the field that was around him. And he got this guaranteed number. Every other quarterback's like, hey, man, I don't have those issues off the field. I'm available. I'm playing at a high level. I got to make more than that. So he reset the market for quarterbacks. And now the whole league is probably like, yo, Cleveland, enjoy this now. Because we don't know what the hell's happening with him. It's been weird shit, man. Like, he passed the concussion protocol against the Colts. He was cleared this week. He just didn't play. It's his shoulder. It's his back. It's a lot of weird stuff. But I can imagine owners just being like, yeah, enjoy that. Enjoy that one now. This is why this is why you don't go out there and do that and then fuck it up for all of us too. So I think it's just funny what's happening over there with Cleveland. But you're right, man. Like they have they have a lot of talent on that team, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But the quarterback, I think eventually, like they could they could maybe sneak a win in like the wild card round. But then after that, like eventually when you run into the Burrows, even though they beat them already, it's like you run into Burrow, you run into Mahomes. It's like you gotta have another guy on the other side that could put up some points to combat that because your defense can make how many stops, bro? They're going to make all these stops gonna gonna be a, and it's going to be a 10-7 game. It's like, yeah, the closer the game is going to stay like that, those other guys that are elite are going to be able to bust it open. So that's why you're right, though. Like, it would have been dope to see them get an upgrade at quarterback. But shout out to PJ Walker of XFL fame. What would be your pick? Is, is it the Chiefs and receiver? Yeah, I think it's the Chiefs with a receiver. I think it was Buffalo. I felt like they could have used another wide receiver. Like, dude, Adam Thielen would have been perfect for Buffalo. A Hunter Renfro would have been Thielen. perfect. They weren't Okay, Renfro, I'll give you. I could see the. I think well, the Raiders were so desperate to trade Renfro, but I don't know his value is so diminished. I know. I mean, Thielen's been balling, bro. Thielen is like the be all end all for that okay. offense. Yeah, Carolina gave him like a three-year, $27 million deal. I don't think they were going to trade it. Yeah, well, I was thinking more so of like the slot wide receiver, a number two wide receiver. Like, I wasn't shooting for the moon and saying like, oh, yeah, they got to get Devontae Adams. It's like, yeah, bro, no shit. But I was thinking a little bit like more under the Renfro radar. Been good. You know, Renfro would have been yeah. dope because, look, man, Cole Beasley was a big part of their offense a couple of years ago, like underneath. And then Isaiah McKenzie... Gabriel Davis, it's like he pops off one game, he'll score three touchdowns, and then he'll have three touchdowns the next 10 weeks. Like, it's just not, he's just not as reliable. And I think with them being able to establish the run a little bit this year, more so than last year, and years past with Josh Allen, I think they needed another weapon. So those are the kind of the teams that I was looking at that should have maybe made a move, you know? Like, I feel like the Chargers should have beefed up their defensive line also, like in the trenches. Year four, please be focused in the trenches. I mean, bro, like, I don't even want to talk about them, dudes. Get, get me can I mention stuff. one trade that I think is under the radar that can make a difference? Okay. I love that the Lions got Domin Peoples-Jones. I think Domin Peoples-Jones is the, the type of deep threat this team needed. Great size, great blocker, could contribute on special teams. I think when Marvin Jones, who knows what his status is, I think he's going through a personal matter. James Williams at this point is just... You hope he can contribute with a couple of flash plays, but there's no way you could depend on James Williams this year to be a steady contributor. So it's pretty much Amron St. Brown and a couple guys. Like Josh Rollins is a nice player, but I just think Dominic Peoples Jones has a track record of being someone that you could throw the ball 
five to seven times a game and he could make some plays, especially downfield. I feel like they desperately need. So shout out to the Lions. I think, of course, you know, the Lions, it would be nice if they could have got a star, but considering what they're working with, I think Peoples Jones, I'm a little surprised Cleveland gave up on him because he's always been someone that can contribute. A, uh, a funny, I agree with you. A, uh, a funny, a funny trade that went down. Rasul Douglas goes to Buffalo. He appeared as a just got here on the injury report for the Buffalo Bills. And uh, there was a viral clip that was going around when them two played each other last year. Josh Allen got in his face and said, you suck. You suck. You're a fucking bum. <laughs> and now they're teammates. Those are always the best, right? Like that one dude that you want, that you hated, you hated or you got into it on the field. And then the next year, they're your teammate. That's always hilarious. Thing is, I think Buffalo has two of those situations right now because Shaq lost and Leonard Fournette had a big beef. And I think they went on IG Live today and talked about it. So I... Buffalo is the place where, you know, we have to make peace. Oh, man, that's good. That's good. Hey, what did you think of the Raiders letting go of Josh McDaniels? Everyone kind of saw it coming. Dude, a couple weeks ago, bro, we were on the pod and, uh, you know, the, the degenerate I am and uh, the degenerate that we all are, they have odds for first coach fired. And he was plus, t- uh, plus a thousand. So he was 10 to one. It was Brandon Staley, Ron Rivera, and then him. I remember telling George, I don't know if it was George or Josh. I feel like it was George because it was at, it was the Monday show. It was after Sunday. And I was like, dude, every Raider fan I know can't stand this dude. And the players have just openly been calling him out and 10 to 1 odds for him to be the first coach fired. And then earlier this week, he just gets let go. What do you think of that? And do you think, and how about this one? Let me add this. How appealing is that job? Well, McDonald's was right on the wall. I think they just said, why not do it now? Because it was going to happen by the end of the season. It's just right. draft picks haven't panned out. Uh, even free agency decisions like that. We could talk about Garoppolo, how much a disaster. You know, Garoppolo's missed like two and a half games. And he leads the league interceptions. Like, how is that even possible for someone who is supposedly a good decision maker? And then, you know, the Chandler Jones move was bad. It's just, it's a, it's a plethora of just highly questionable move. I think they just tried to build off that team from 2021. They thought that team was Super Bowl caliber when in reality, they won a lot of one-score games. I know that's one of your favorite stats, looking at those one-score games. And, and as inspiring as their Raiders team was in 2021, and they pushed the Bengals to the brink in the wildcard round, they weren't built a Super Bowl. Now you can't go all in and look, we all love Devontae Adams, but giving up a first and second for Devontae Adams was not going to make you a Super Bowl team. It's just Daniels, he doesn't offer much. Like you never hear a player talk about I'm fighting for my coach when it comes to Joshua Daniels. Like bad player management, horrible when it comes to uh clock management. We and some of his situational decisions. Like you watch those games against the Steelers and the Packers this year, guys kicking field goals when you know he should be going for it. He's flawed, and you don't have the, really the players behind you. You get the quarterback quarterback decision wrong. It's just it all adds up, and this franchise was going down wrong direction. And, you, know, you lose to what uh, Tyler Banjan. You lost to Jeff Saturday last year. Like there's been some humiliating losses in this era for Josh McDaniel. So it's just they, they, it was a foregone conclusion. They just made it happen now. And I know for your sake, you're kind of hyped about their interim coach, man. 
a legend in your My eyes. boy, AP, baby, Antonio Pierce. Yo, you know what I'm going to say now. The greatest defensive play I've ever seen in my life. The Packers, the Packers game. Yo, they throw a screen pass to Ryan Grant. And there's three offensive linemen. It was like third and eight, bro. It was when they went to the Super Bowl. There's three offensive linemen lead blocking. And Antonio Pierce like swims around one of them, rips past the other and makes the tackle. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to remember this play for the rest of my life. And I do. Shout out to Antonio Pierce. Forever a giant legend, baby. Let's go interim. Dude, check this one out. You ready for this? You want to talk about poor management of your money? And I know we're in Sin City. I know we're in Vegas. That happens a lot out here, bro. Let me tell you. Firing Josh McDaniels and John Gruden, what happened a couple of years ago, they're paying anywhere from 50 to $80 million to those dudes, pending what the settlement is going to be for John Gruden, for them not to yeah. coach the team. I can't wait to one day get fired, bro, and get paid like $20 million. That'll be dope. What a life. What a life. I do want to answer your second question. I don't think this is a very attractive job, even though I know Vegas is, they got the beautiful stadium. It's a big market, but think about this. Josh Jacobs is probably not coming back. He's elsewhere because they've already kind of shown that they don't want to pay him. And if this team's rebuilding, why are they going to spend big money on a running back? Uh, who knows what's going to happen with Devontae Adams. Just they don't have a lot of players. Like like if some team offers three picks, Max Crosby could be gone. To me, Max Crosby is the heart and soul of this franchise. If, if, when it comes to the rebuilding process, Max Crosby is the one player to me. It's like you don't let go. But besides that, just how much you count on this roster and they're in the division or just a conference in general where you have to be super talented to compete. Like, you, you know, that's one reason why the Jets did what they did to get Rodgers. Like, you need to, your roster needs to be loaded top to bottom to be just a wild card teammate. So I think it's a long road back for the Raiders. And if if the, if the ownership's going to give you time, then I think it'd be somewhat attractive. But I don't know. Mark Davis has kind of proven already. If you don't get the job done within two and a half, three years, you're probably going. Like the Raiders, this is their fourth acting head coach since going to Vegas. And they get into Vegas in what, like 2020? There's been so much turnover there already. So I think that unstable work environment is another reason why unstable. I mean, it's not very attractive position. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
not a lot of talent, bro. Not a lot of talent and just, it's weird. It's weird. It's a very attractive stadium. The stadium is dope. Uh, but not a lot of promise. The division, right? Like you got what? Now you probably got the worst quarterback in the division. Easily. No plan moving forward. I know it's just rough out here for the Raiders. All right. Let's get into a ad read for one of our sponsors, Wager Attack. Wager Attack is the official odds provider for Veterans Minimum. They are rocking with us through the NFL season. If you want to take your sports betting game to the next level, look no further than Wager Attack, the ultimate online sports book for the true sports enthusiasts. If you go today and sign up using the code VM, you will activate bonuses and free play rollovers when depositing at the cashier. That is promo code VM when making your deposit. Alan, before we dive into the games this week, I want to just, uh, as a, as the spokesman of the legends that are degenerates, I made a bet yesterday, bro, and I want to get your thoughts on this. 25 to 1. Joe Burrow to be the MVP. Opportunity's there. I actually, I could see your reasoning behind it because I don't think the MVP race has been this wide open in years. Bro, so here's, here's my thinking, right? Here's my thinking. Right now, he has 10 touchdowns, 4 interceptions. They come off a monster win against the Niners. They play Buffalo this week. Their schedule is tough because we've pointed out the schedule the last couple of episodes, how, you know, when they played the Seahawks, it was kind of a must-win game going into the bye because then you had San Fran and Buffalo looming. They had to go into the bye at 3-3. Three and three. Now they're at 4-3. and three. They have a lot of division games to make up because they're 0-2 they're in division. They have Kansas City on the horizon in, a, you know, like week 17, 18. It's not 18, week 16 or 17. I know it's the fantasy playoffs when they're playing. Let's just say he lights it up. And they go on like, a, starting with last week, they close out the year like 11 and 1. They get the, they get the 13 wins. Bro, I mean, it was so shitty in September for him. But they he's been playing pretty well the last couple of games, starting with the Cardinals game. Since the Cardinals game, he has eight touchdowns, two interceptions. They're on a three-game winning streak. I think 25 to 1 was outrageous, bro. This is a guy who I also bet on at plus 800 in the beginning of the year. So I kind of doubled down on him to win MVP. I bet the Bengals again to win the Super Bowl. I'm all in, dude. And I just think 25 to 1 is outrageous because you're right. Like, it's it's Lamar, it's Mahomes, it's Allen, it's Tua, it's maybe McCaffrey. I've, I've heard some Tyreek Hill buzz, too. Uh, uh, Tyreek Hill should absolutely be in there. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I don't know, bro. That just jumped out to me. And oftentimes what I'll do, man, is I'll kind of have in my mind what I think the odds should be. And this is what people mean by, like, these are my power ratings. These are, you know, what my system or what my algorithm says. Like in my mind, I'm like, Burrow should be somewhere in that range. And then when he was, I was like, oh, okay. I like it. He was 50 to one before the Niners game. 
So like I got a bad line on it because I waited after the fact, but I did bet the the Bengals to win the Super Bowl at thirty two to one prior to the Niners game. So this, these are some of the risks that you got to take. But yeah, man, I just wanted to to ask you your thoughts on that before we really dove into these games. What also benefits you is that the Bengals, I think, have a really difficult schedule. But the reason why I say it benefits you is that he's going to be playing a lot of national televised games. See, Sunday night against Buffalo, he has the Chiefs as well. You know, I think he plays Baltimore one more time. I think they still play the Steelers yet. So there's a bunch of games they still have to play. It's wild. All four of the Bengals' wins this year are against the NFC West, which is pretty unique. But... Like the Bengals, they've won the division, so they play that first place schedule. And in the AFC, you're just, it's a gauntlet, but you're going to go against the best. So uh, I do think that's what's going to benefit you is the Bengals going forward. There's a lot of nationally televised games, as it should be, because this team is definitely one of the most exciting teams to watch. And he's healthy now. Like, I think that was yeah. the biggest takeaway oh, from Niners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, look, he looked like the other, like, oh, okay, there, there he is. There he is. Yeah. And look, here's their schedule, right? And this is why I'm also saying because the schedule is rough, bro. The schedule is rough. And and you know what? Like, even though it's a Sunday night football game, we've been talking about the Bengals. We'll just it'll segue into us talking about the Bills. But they play Buffalo this week at home. Then they got the Texans at home. They go to Baltimore. That is a night game. There's a night. Yeah. Then they play the Steelers at home. Then they play the Jaguars. In a night game, prime time. They play the Colts at home. They play the Vikings at home. They go to Pittsburgh, go to Kansas City, and then they close out against the Browns. So you got four division games. You have a top dog in the Jaguars and the Chiefs in your conference. That's why if they could like go like 10 and one to close out the year, it's it's he places win the conversation. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. We've officially become a Cincinnati Bengals podcast, ladies and gentlemen. That's what we're doing. Let's talk about the game this week. They got the Bills. The line on this game, Allen, is Cincinnati minus two and a half. Give me your thoughts. Start the conversation off with this game. I like that because I think the Bills are still looking very fragile. Uh, I think it's so hard to replace Matt Milano and Joe Davis White. Like, when I think of the Bills' defense, these, those are the first two players that they go. I know Poyer and Hyde. It's a great safety tandem. I think Ed Oliver's having a breakout season. Like, so they got pieces, but Matt Milano is just, there's no making up for his thickness, his intelligence, his ability to win coverage. He's just a short tackler. So losing him and then Jay Davis, why well, it's just, now you're going against a Bengals offense that's not only like firing all cylinders, but they're actually running the ball. Like I was blown away at how much success they had running the ball. Because to me, the Bengals, but the past few seasons have been one of the most inefficient running teams, but they got something going on. And now that Burrow's more healthy, if you notice, they're running more under center. Because like one Burrow was injured, they were like in shock at 99% of the time. And it was predictable. Finally, against the 49ers, I think they went under center like 16 times. That was a stat. Before that, all season, they were under center like 15 times. So it just shows you now that Burrow appears to be full strength, there's more flexibility when it comes to formations. So just for them to open up the playbook, I think it's going to be a lot for Buffalo handle. And you know, since now I look at it as a team that's ascending while well, Buffalo, they're really just dependent on Josh Allen at this point. And you know, there are other offensive stars that just, they got played perfect to be with these teams. They don't have the horses defensively right now. Like Von Miller's not the same. 
So I'm I'm very much, if you could tell by my tone, I think it's Nisanic will win pretty definitively. I I feel the same way. I also think we got to shout out your boy, your favorite defensive coordinator. He might be your favorite coordinator in the whole game right now, bro. Sweet Lou and Arumo. Yeah. Look, man. I mean, I, he delivers in the big games. He does, right? He does. And one of the last last week's game with the Niners, right? I was talking about how I bet I bet the Bengals, I wanted to do like a clear the Patreon on the Bengals last week, but I was worried about the Niners being on the losing skid. They were coming off the bye. So it was kind of a spot where I still liked the Bengals a lot, and I thought that they could win outright, and they did. And one of the big reasons why, to bring it back to this conversation, is because of Sweet Lou. Lou Anarumo, he delivers in big spots. He plays well against the Josh Allens and the Pat Mahomes of the world. And Sean McDermott, they run one of the most efficient offenses in the league. But Lou Anarumo, I think, can combat that. And especially with, like, I don't know if you knew this, but Josh Allen didn't practice today. It, he said it's a rest day. He kind of rested, but it's the shoulder again. And we saw when it happened last year, bro. It happened in November last year. He kind of banged up his shoulder. I think it was against the Patriots or the Jets. And then the rest of the way, he kind of looked shaky. Yeah, I find the rest day be bizarre because they played last Thursday. Like you had six days to recover. That's- so now going to preparation for a massive game. A little sketchy, bro. A rest day. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. And uh, I think an unsung hero, and he he seems to be like the football analytics, like not golden boy, but he's a he's a big, big, like is a big fan base for Trey Hendrickson. Like he's not getting the TJ Watt and the Nick Bosa loving and Miles Garrett, but man, this guy has been just as good as those dudes. He's not getting the sacks that they get, but against the run, against the pass. He's been one of the better free agent signings a team has made in the last, like, I don't know, three, four years when he did come over from the Saints. And he's been a staple for this defense, bro. And, you know, to get to to pull up the old boys at PFF, left tackle Deion Dawkins for the Bills. He's given up one sack this year. And now, got to worry about Trey Hendrickson. I think that's going to be a pretty dope matchup if you're into, like, the trenches of NFL football. Yeah. Yeah, because Buffalo's looked a little bit shaky uh, in the trenches. And the Bengals, it's weird. The Bengals, though, they love rushing three and dropping into coverage just to confuse quarterbacks. I think both of Brock Purdy's picks might have been when the Bengals only rushed three. But, dude, Hendrickson is just so relentless. Like, he's one of those edge rushers, kind of like Nick Bosa, where they don't stop playing. They just keep going. Like, they, they don't have the explosive first step. They don't got all the flashy spin moves. But, yeah, the same with Max Crosby as well. I got to mention Max Crosby. Just these relentless guys that don't stop. And they don't lead the field either. So I'm with you. That's an exciting matchup. But to me, Hendrickson's like the one true star on the Bengals defense. They got a good defensive Bengals, but Hendrickson's the guy that. Yeah, man. He's one of he's one of eight pass rushers in the league that have taken over 85% of the snaps the last four years for their team. And so impressive. Yeah, that just tells you that he's a three-down lineman. He's not a guy that's just going to come in on third downs and have an impact, so that's pretty dope. I I think Milano has been a big absence for them. Uh, the splits with him in the lineup and him not in the lineup have been significant. I like the Bengals in the spot. They're at home. 
They're getting some momentum. They're playing really well. They're ascending while the Bills are descending. And to me, that's where, where I'm at now. I don't like that Josh Allen popped up on the injury report. It's pretty sketchy, especially like you said, that they played last Thursday. Why are we popping up with the shoulder? Same kind of issues that you had last year. I think the Bengals, I think the Bengals could win rather comfortably, bro. And I've been pretty accurate with some of these Sunday night football games the last couple of weeks. And I think the, the Bengals are definitely going to be a contest play, bro. And uh, I think the minus two and a half, I think they cover that easily. Not a sign thing to seeing T. Higgins 100%. He's another one yeah. that has been yeah, they were. injured played for most of the season. So I thought he looked good against the Niners. And he just adds a whole other dimension to that offense. Dude, 100%. And then they spent a lot of, they got a lot of new guys in the secondary, bro. Like they had a lot of turnover. And now those guys are starting to play better too. So it's like they had a young, you know, they they had Bates, they had Bell back there the last couple of years anchoring the back of the defense, and now they didn't have them. So it's like these new guys are coming in and figuring out the system. And that's why that front four has been so dominant for them with Reader. Reader has been like a dude that I made a case for him being worth something against the point spread. He's so valuable for them. And then Hubbard and then Hendrickson, like they got they got a dope front over there too. It's kind of they don't have the flashy name. That's why I feel like they don't get the same attention. Like Washington gets more love. Well, prior to all these trades, it was getting more love for the front four than the Bengals front four was getting because they didn't have the first round picks and all that shit. Yeah. yeah, I don't think the Bengals get love to like January when you find them in the AFC title game. It's like, okay, this defense is really good. Uh, where have I been all season? Yeah, but bro, you know what? You're right. Like the defense, but like the Bengals are cool now because of the quarterback. Like they're, I mean, and the school, like who doesn't love Jamar Chase? Yeah, yeah. But I'm saying they, they though, like that's like all of a sudden the like Cincinnati five times a year in prime time is no longer like, oh, fuck, the Bengals are on prime time. You know, that's what happens when you get a dope quarterback. Yeah, awesome. Like it becomes cool. So yeah, I'm on, I'm on the Bengals. It seems like you are too. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I'm, I'm a little pissed off at the NFL with this one, bro. Cause this, this could be the game of the year and they're putting it in Germany. I've never seen two Super Bowl contenders. Like, there's been decent to fun Europe games, but never two legit Super Bowl contenders playing in Europe. Unreal. And, bro, like, this would have been so dope if it was in Kansas City. Tyreek goes back to Kansas City. Like, he would get the yeah, standing O. That. Like, yeah, this is a bad shame on you, NFL. Shame on you. And I know you want to expand the sport, but damn, we couldn't get another matchup. And bro, 6 a.m., dude, you really gonna do this to me? It's the one day I get to sleep in a little bit. I gotta wake up at 6 a.m. to watch this shit. And I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it because it's gonna be a it's gonna be a good game. But the Chiefs are a two and a half point favorite going up against the Miami Dolphins again. This game is in Germany. Fun fact, Allen, Patrick Mahomes off a loss in his career when he is under three points or less as a favorite. 19, 6 and 1 against the spread. That is as automatic of a sure thing as you could get in the game of football. Miami, they've been the talk of the town uh, for the majority of the season with how fun and explosive their offense has been. But, Allen, I feel like the Chiefs' defense might be a top-five unit in the league. Agreed. Uh, They are just a gaffer up front. Secondary is playing way above expectations. I love Willie Gay. I know Nick Bowen's injured right now, but Jerry yeah, Tranquil's came in for a nice job. But uh, I mean, you got to be thrilled for your boy, man. When it comes to second year emerging stars, uh, 
the lamb himself. Let's go. Carlaftis. Carlaftis. I always go. butcher his name. I need, I need the validation. I, to me, he's, he's yeah. been the edge rusher they needed. Like he's the player that Frank Clark should have been. Mm. So for him, they got Charles Amenahu back, who was great in San Fran, but he just come off suspension. And then we know how good Chris Jones is. It's just, man, it's cool to see that she's finally have a defense where it's not bend or don't break up. Like, look, Spags is great, but that was Chiefs defense at times are allowing 20 to 31 points a game in the regular season. Then they play better in the playoffs. Now it's just like we know what to expect. Like Trent McDuffie, he might be the next great corner. But it's just unfortunate. It's just I don't think we've seen a Chiefs offense that's more duller and more dink and dunk. Like it's it's unfortunate to watch this Chiefs offense because we know how special the quarterback is, tight end, offensive lines still among the best in the league. I think Pacheco is also fantastic. But it's just watching watching like Mahomes be reduced to dink and dunk half the time, it just hurts because we know what he's capable. I mean, bro, it goes back to how we started the conversation for this podcast with trades that should have went down. That's what happens. Like, who would have ever thought that Chiefs offense could be kind of boring now, right? Like, if it's not Kelsey, it's just a lot of just dump-offs. And you got Mahomes who can sling it 190 yards if he wants to. It's like, fuck, like, what are we doing with all this shit? This, But this is, you know what? This is also what they deserve. Because a lot of some dudes that, that are with Blue Wire that cover the Chiefs, you're putting up all these graphics about Kadarius Tony. And I was like, listen, man, I saw him. You got to take my word for it. Until I saw him play. He pops off. He has a great game. And then he disappears for six weeks, either for injury or just doesn't like he'll play like 90% of the stats and have no stats. It's weird. And this is what you got to deal with now, too. And I think knowing the pace that Tyreek Hill is on to crack 2000 yards, he's the first wide receiver to have over a thousand yards, the, the fastest to get to a thousand yards in the Super Bowl era. You know, Tyreek, they're going to do some wild shit to scheme up for him to continue to have a monster year and in like a revenge game. You know, I'm a sucker, Allen, for revenge games. Like Tyreek, I think he's going to go bananas. And to your point about McDuffie, there was something that was interesting that happened last year, how they got really lucky with their draft class. Because they hit on pretty much every draft pick that they made last year. And then in the Super Bowl, they had six rookies record a stat in the box score. And now those guys are in year two. So that's how good organizations stay good or great in this in this case. Because you hit on your draft picks, right? And now you're seeing those guys, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Like Kansas City, they're another team. Like everyone can tell you about Chris Jones. But outside of that, it's like there's a lot of guys that are no-name guys to the public because of all the attention that, like, Mahomes and Kelsey gets. But their defense is really good, dude. And it's been a long time coming because I think people were concerned the past few years just because they look so vulnerable. And it's just like, okay, you could force turnovers here and there, but can you actually hold your own for four quarters? And they're finally doing that. And they're not dependent on Spags running these ball blitzes. Like, no, you got – McDuffie, but Darius needs starting to play more consistently. I think uh, when they let go of Honey Badger, it was very much a criticized move, but then they brought Justin Reed from Houston. And no one really knew about Justin Reed because he played in Houston. We know how bad Houston's been. He's been one of the best players for them for several years, so getting him in was big. Uh, they've, they've done a fantastic job, and I love what you mentioned about the draft because you know, we talk about the defense, but then you look at Pacheco in the seventh round, Trey Smith, the right guard, Sixth round, he's entered the league and been a force. So, Chiefs, I think them and the Seahawks the past few years have probably drafted the best. So, big credit to them. But uh, 
I I want to ask you because obviously you love talking quarterbacks. Are you a little concerned about two of these past few weeks? I think he's turned the ball over more, and we're not seeing the same amount of efficiency. Yeah, I think it's a fair criticism to have. I don't want to say that people have figured him out, but I think that like jet motion with a with a receiver like sprints out and then he kind of yeah, like use it ridiculous. It's like, bro, it's like when teams run um like the sprint out play that drives me crazy. Oh, I think that's the worst play the in worst football. Red zone. When you run the sprint out to the short side of the field from peewee football to the NFL, that play sucks. Please don't run it. It drives me crazy. But it's it's like one of those plays where how many times are you going to run it? Eventually, teams are going to figure it out, right? So I'm not concerned. I think that he has a mastermind behind him that's going to allow him to flourish. And I'm not too concerned. I think this is a tough matchup for him. I think... Miami, the knock on them has been, yo, anytime you play someone good, you kind of get dominated, right? Like their two losses are against the two teams that they would play in the playoffs or they would potentially play in a Super Bowl. And like you're beating up on everybody else. Congrats. You beat you beat the Patriots. You beat, you beat Denver. You beat the Giants. Like, yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. I think something that's not being mentioned that I think could be super concerning. Miami is already in Germany. The Chiefs aren't getting there until Friday afternoon, bro. That's a little bit of a concern, man. L- having your body adjust a different time zone like that. Apparently, I think it's it's 10-hour difference between Germany and Kansas City. Like, adjusting to that, having to travel. Like, dude, I come back from New York, and I'm just, like, miserable for 48 hours. I'm like, fuck, yo. Like, this shit is throwing me off. Imagine having to go and play an NFL game. Like, this is also why they make millions of dollars. But I think that's something that's a little concerning, dude. I think that's a terrible, terrible scheduling note that needs to be mentioned that Miami's already there. I think Miami got there on Tuesday and they're getting there on Friday. The game is on Sunday. I don't know. Just something that I think is important to mention. And we, we saw what happened with Buffalo. And I know Jacksonville was there prior to because Jacksonville did back to back. But yeah. like, the Bills didn't show up to like Friday night and... Yeah. Looked completely unprepared in that first half, and they couldn't recover. They played better in the second half, but by then, that's the end. I think you're down three touchdowns. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So so it's just that that is a big concern. But I was want to mention with Miami though. Just I think the offensive line injuries is starting to creep up. But Armstead mm. just hasn't been healthy. Um, Isaiah went left guard. Like you saw when they played the Eagles, and they didn't have a depth. It, the pocket caved in, and I think two has done a better job of making place ab structure because whole knock, I think, on two was just he was so scheme-dependent. Like, he could only operate within the pocket and within the play. But if you ask him to, like, make his third read or try to maneuver out the pocket, the play would just completely fall apart. Now he's making more plays out of structure, but you can only do so much when a guy like Chris Jones could literally take over a game. Like, And then with the better supporting cast, like, I'd be very concerned. Like, I know Mike McDaniel, he knows that game plan. And Look, if any coordinator or, excuse me, coach is going to make sure their quarterback gets the ball quick, it's going to be them. Like, Tua has such a quick release, and he throws a switch great anticipation. But still, like, you've seen what Chris Jones could do, and we know what a master by lights bags could do. So it's just an awesome matchup. But I think in the trenches is where things could get a little dicey. I think going back to what you said, though, that's another reason why I think Tua might be not as efficient or playing as well the last couple of weeks is because Injuries at all offensive linemen. Guys coming in and out. 
I think that's throwing off his timing and his rhythm and just like being comfortable in the pocket too. I think that's important to mention. I want to say one thing about the line. This happens every now and then. And I always like to reiterate this and to remind people. This is a classic example of reverse line movement. What I mean by this is Chiefs opened up as a minus four point favorite. All the bets and all the money is coming in on Kansas City. And the line is moving away from them. Now they're minus one point favorites. So it's always important to monitor that. It should be going the other way, which means that the pros might be leaning towards Miami. I think the scheduling might have to might have a role in this. But when you're getting that much of the action and the line is moving away from you, that's always an indicator of reverse line movement. It's something to monitor where Look, man, I was I was all in on the Chiefs when I saw this game on the schedule. I'm like, I'm definitely taking them. I don't care that it's in Germany, but now I do care that they're going to get there Friday afternoon and Miami's been been there since Tuesday. So it's a couple of things that I think are important to mention. With that said, who do you have winning this game? This is the hardest game to pick I yeah. think, all season. Uh, I've gone back and forth. I'm still not going to be 100% confident. I'm going to go Miami, though. I think they got the better roster. I'm concerned about the Chiefs offense, and I just think Miami has enough adjustments where they could score enough points, and I'm not sure. Crazy as it sounds, I'm not sure if Patrick Mahomes could keep up with the supporting cast in a shootout. And Mahomes has a history going against Vic Fangio defenses, and those Denver-Vic Fangio defenses gave him problems. And we see now Miami's getting healthier defensively with the return of Jalen Ramsey. So uh, I'm going to go with Miami. It maybe it won't be as much a shootout, but I just think Miami's just scored enough points where Kansas City just. Bro, did you ever think in your life you would say that Kansas City was struggling a shootout? It, it feels disgusting to say, but man, I, those receivers and like, and you can tell Mahomes doesn't trust them. And like I mentioned, I think the Vin, Vic Fangio factor plays a huge. Uh, I think it looms large over this matchup because Fangio has a long history of frustrating Mahomes in those Chiefs Broncos. Yeah, and also I wonder with them getting Ramsey back, if they do some of that old school Patriots shit where they would put like, you know, not even the Patriots shit. When, when, yeah, it was the Patriots stuff where like teams would put the number one corner on Gronk. Yeah. Right? Like remember the Jaguars yeah. did that with Ramsey yeah. in the playoff game? And they're like, yo, let's just Hold try to. Here. Or they've done it in the past too. So I wonder if that could be a play too, with having Ramsey come back. Look, he had an interception last week. He almost housed it too. I feel like I have to take Kansas City off a loss, bro. I know I mentioned the schedule, Allen. The same I, way, man. I know. The same way. It just feels weird, bro. It feels weird. I'm going to go with Kansas City. I think Mahomes bounces back. Also, 19-6-1 against the spread. Less than a field goal. Favorite. Coming off the loss also. Embarrassing loss, too, man. Like, it's the yeah, first time. Yeah, and it's the first time that he's lost a divisional road game, <laughs> which was outrageous. Like in six years, he never. If you were a Raiders, Chargers, or Broncos fan, and you went to a Chiefs game in your home building, you never saw your team win until the Broncos did it. It's crazy, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Kansas City on this one. Let's wrap up this conversation on the games of the week with an absolute bar fight. I think it's a game that a lot of people have been waiting to see especially in the NFC. You got the Eagles and the Cowboys. Eagles are two and a half point favorites 
playing Dallas in Philadelphia. I didn't realize this, bro, until I started doing my research for this. We didn't see Dak and Hertz play each other last year. Minshew was in for Hertz, Cooper in one game, and then Cooper Rush was in for Dak the other time. So we're actually going to get to see Dak and Jalen Hurts play against each other, go toe-to-toe. And I had no idea until I was doing my homework for this one, bro. Was that on your radar? Yeah, we got we got robbed of that matchup, especially yeah. the Christmas Eve game. Like, I, everyone wanted to see it, but I think Hurts got injured against New Orleans the week before, and yep. that hurt because Dallas was firing on all cylinders, and we know how good the Eagles were last year often. So it, it's good to get that now, and both teams coming off, wow. They, they were throwing the ball all across the field in their respective matchups. So it's good to see both these teams play at a high level going to this one, even though uh, the injured concern with Jalen Hurts is definitely something to monitor because there's no way he's 100% healthy. As well as he's throwing the ball right now, uh, it, the, the dimension of him running those zone reads is gone. It's like, so now it's pretty much DeAndre Swift that can, is there running in. DeAndre Swift. Boy, have they found something with him. I feel like we've been talking about him the last you couple weeks. You just knew he was going to go crazy once that trade happened in April. Sucks, bro. God damn, lies. You couldn't trade him anywhere else. You put him in with that offensive line. Bro, did you hear that they had, they had reports that they were going after Aaron Donald? <laughs> what did he go? Four first-round picks? How? <laughs> what is happening? Dude, if you put Jalen Card and Aaron Donald, just give him the Lombardi, man. Bro, I mean, Howie Roseman's a madman. And Fletcher like, Cox and, and Davis and <laughs> just Reddick. Jesus Christ. I saw that report. I was like, no way, bro. Investigating, tampering, something. There's no way they were going to be able to get him. But all right, let's get back to this game, no, right? Less need appreciates the F them picks model, but not to that extent. Sheesh. But I just can't figure out with the cap space how that was even possible. Yeah, Aaron Donald. Like that was what was wild, wildest thing. Like he's already, he's making like $25, $28 million. Anyway, this matchup I think is going to tell a lot about both teams. Obviously, it's in division. They know each other really well. We're going to finally get to see the Hurts and Dak matchup that we were talking about. However, I think. Philly, Philly might all year, bro, they might just continue to win games and never put their A game out. Like, I, even though they won by multiple touchdowns against Miami, I still felt like they left a lot of points on the table. Hertz had a fumble. He had a pick six. Like, it was an ugly game. Like, they haven't put an A game together, even against Washington last week. And it seems like Washington has their number. They beat them last year. It was a close game last week, too. Uh, they played them to overtime a couple of weeks ago when they played the first time this year, the Commanders and the Eagles. But I think Philly, it seems like another, another statement game for Philly is on the horizon, bro. And I just don't trust Dak in a big spot. And I think Hurts, a little limping last week, I didn't like. But, man, is there anyone outside of Tyreek Hill playing better wide receiver than A.J. Brown right now, bro? Six games, 125 yards or more. Like, if you throw the ball in the air and it's in the vicinity, he is coming down with it. The amount of contested catches he made, he's making right now is absurd. And what he does after the catch, like, you throw him, like, a, a six-yard slant, he's turning to, like, 15 yards. It's just – it's not just him the way he's catching the ball now, 
but after a catch, like we always knew he was special after a catch, but I don't know. He just, he just looks mad when he's playing. Like he, he gets up and just like, he, he feels disrespect that you think you could actually match up against. He's on an alpha level that we haven't seen. Bro, I got to bring back the clip when I had the honor of talking to Brandon Marshall. I asked him what wide receiver reminds you of you now. And he said, AJ Brown. I was like, damn. Wow. I said Terry McLaurin, and he's like, the build, I get it, and the style of play, but he's like, I like someone that might punch you in the face, bro. <laughs> it seems like AJ Brown might be a dude that wants to like punch you in the face after he just suns you in the end zone. He's a little rugged. Dude, he dude. plays with the edge, man. Yeah, that's you, what like, I'm saying. Yeah. So it, it's a tone setter, especially for a team that is filled with veterans and guys that just like to get in your face. So you like you look at Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson. Like, Guys, just like the mall you so it, it fits their style and we we knew how special AJ Brown was but I think it's just cool to see it now come to full fruition just because I think when he first came to Philly you weren't quite sure what to make of it because it's like oh Turt's gonna be able to get him the ball now this guy's breaking records it's unbelievable I like the fact that again the Goddard more involved yeah Dante Smith's finally catching the ball I know Dante Smith's have gone through a bit of a rut but he looked good and uh, the red zone offense, um, I, I, the Eagles to me are like the most efficient red zone offense. And look what happens last week. Julio Jones Julio! gets involved. My boy made a comeback, scored and a touchdown. They even get Julio Jones a red zone touchdown. And we know for years that Julio Jones has how much it's been about to get him a red zone touchdown. So uh, the Eagles, they got a juggernaut. And how they're operating the red zone getting all the playmakers involved, and now they got uh, my goat. He's no one else's goat, whatever. It's, it's They're scary. Hey, bro, you're talking to someone that loves Julio Jones also, man. Come on now. You know it was Julio week for like 190 weeks in a row, baby. Let's go. It was like the Bill Goldberg streak. Yo, yeah, 100 every week was Julio week, baby. Shout out to DFS Fridays, a little throwback for the OG listeners. I do want to mention one thing. And I want to see how well Dallas's defense plays this week because they're the number two defense right now in the NFL. And you know how I feel about stuff like that, bro. It could be very misleading. And you've played the Giants, you played the Jets, you played the Patriots, uh, Stafford and the Rams. You you kind of shut them down. I'll give you that. But it's like you have a lot of wins that are kind of just like suspect wins. Now you're playing a buzzsaw in Philly, and they have a lot of weapons. Let's see how good your defense really is. And this dude Bland, the DB, got more touchdowns than Tony Pollard. He seems to be a ball hawk that just houses interceptions for touchdowns. This going to be some fun matchups, man. Gilmore, you got him. We know about Smith and A.J. Brown. Like this, This should be a fun game, and I think the animosity between the two fan bases and the two teams, I think it should be a it, it could be a classic, especially since we haven't seen this matchup quite some time. I think the two most encouraging things about Dallas, one, they're finally making CeeDee Lamb the focal point. Yeah. I think too much early start. They were trying to get Gallup to involve, and Gallup's just not the same player. Everything they finally goes put Lamb more on the outside rather than the slot, and you saw the game against the Rams. Now, obviously, the Eagles have much better corners, but just making sure, like, CeeDee Lamb's a guy, you got to get him at least 10 to 12 targets. Too often. I know some of the games because of game script and Dallas is up by like 25, 30 points. Some of the wins, but 
I just think they're red because Dallas has been one of the worst reds on offense to leave. I just think they haven't done enough with CD. Getting him involved is big. And I just think this hurts injury plays into their hands because Dallas, you know, they're going to pressure, you know, Dan Quinn, throwing pressure, all sorts of angles. And they move Micah Parsons around the line scrimmage. And one of the cool things they do with Micah Parsons, love running into the A-gap. Like, I think two of their sacks last week came from Parsons going to A-gap. And I just want to see Parsons just go straight up with Jason Kelsey and see what happens. Like, I think that's the cool match. Of course, you got him and Lane Johnson. That's going to be big. But, man, the way they utilize, you just want to see the all pros go up against each other. And I think, let's see Kelsey, man. He was talking about retirement. I think if they, if they would have won the Super Bowl, he would have retired. You know, he's still as good as ever, but his age didn't catch up to him. So I think that's a matchup definitely. Who you got in this game? I'm going to go Philly. Even though I'm concerned about Hurts, the Eagles have this offense where if they have to run it with Swift, I think they're capable of running the ball 20, 25 times. I think Dallas is run D. They're kind of light in the box. And it's just AJ Brown. I don't know who could stop him, man. I trust the Eagles coaches to have more. I'm still, as much as I, I talk up Dallas, and I do think Dallas is the third best team in the NFC. And I do think they're a team you have to, to command respect to, to a certain extent. It's just, ah, man. Mike McCarthy in big games, Sean and I around them. It's still like, mm. uh, and I think Dallas's all line, they've taken some lumps. I don't think they're quite the same unit. You know how good this Philly pass rush is. So I just think, as the case with a lot of these Eagle games, they have too much talent and you just got to bank on them. As someone who I put a significant amount of money on them to beat the Dolphins a couple weeks ago, significant for me. Rooting for the brotherly shove when it's in your favor is so awesome. Eagles fans, I understand. I don't agree, but I understand. It is amazing when they do the brotherly shove on fourth and ones, third and ones, fourth and inches, and you're backing the Eagles. You're like, oh, this is amazing, bro. And now they're doing the sweep off that. Enjoy trying to defend that shit. But man, when you are on the other side, bro, like Cowboys fans are going to be miserable when it's fourth and one. Or if you're betting on the Cowboys or just in general, like I just wanted to shout out the Eagles fans, even though I hate every single one of them. It was, uh, it's dope to see that play when it's in your favor, I must say. But here's the thing our team's going to learn from the commanders because the commanders are the first team to stop it and they forced the fumble in the process. Mm. So I'm curious could teams actually learn from the commanders, which is a very rare thing to see. Uh, but Besides that, yeah, that probably shoves it out as efficient, I guess. But can it respond from this latest adversity? Because it did get stopped mm. at the one-yard line. Down the line. Yeah, it seems like eventually teams just figure out how to stop something, right? Like, the most famous thing everyone always goes to is the Wildcat. Like, the Wildcat, obviously, completely different play. But the Wildcat for a little bit was like, is this the future of the NFL? And then, like, no one does that anymore. Unless you're the Giants. They'll bring in Matt Breida and Saquon Barkley to run the Wildcat and just frustrate me. But I don't know. I think that play is so vicious, bro. Like, that play is so amazing. They got it down. Because other teams don't. Patriots have tried it. I think the Giants have tried it. The Jets have tried it. And it's, it's not Bro, I also wonder, like, Jalen Hurts has had these videos of him squatting, like, 700 pounds and 600 pounds. I wonder if, like, that gotta play a role in it, no? Like being able to, to yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it would have. It can't hurt, right? Like 
Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 a weird play, but I gotta say, when it's in my favor, I fucking love that place. Shout out to the Eagles for that. I'm going with Philly, man. I'm going with Philly until proven otherwise. Like this is a, this is a big moment for Dak and the Cowboys. Going to Philly, I know it's your rival. I know you you're familiar with them, but let's see you in a big spot. Let's see you in a big spot. Deliver. So he's calling on his best games. You watch those Cowboy Rams highlights. Oh man, Dak was throwing that. Like that seemed. To uh, Ferguson, yeah, about as good as a throw. You'll see. Yo, but so hold hold on though, hold you're on. Going the Rams, you're, yeah, completely different matchup now. But we've seen Dak in the past light it up, and then the ensuing week, massive egg. So let's just see if he can replicate that. I'm gonna go with Philly. I mean, we saw last January, literally this this year. Yeah, yeah, I'm going with Philly. All right, Alan, I'm going to continue the show and do some, uh, I got a rant on James Harden. My boy Harden, I've turned complete baby face to heel on him over the last couple of years. But let the people know where they can find you on social media. Al Sterk, it's A-L-L-E-N-S-T-R-K. And I'm currently stuck out my fridge with Heineken's because it's Taylor Heineke era in Atlanta. And I'm kind of intrigued to cover it because Taylor Heineke is the Johnny Knoxville of the NFL, he's a human roller coaster. It's gonna go good, it's gonna go bad, but Falcons are keeping it interesting. I'll be covering that. Nice, man. Nice. It was good chatting with you, and uh, we'll talk to you next week, bro. Thank you for having me on, as always. All righty, guys, let's go ahead and pull up the Patreon before we get into the last segment of this episode. Big ups to the members of the Patreon. We are at 83 members. Patreon.com slash Veterans Minimum. We are giving away two pairs of sneakers next week on Monday. We're going to do the drawing on YouTube to start the show. YouTube.com slash Veterans Minimum. As you can see here on the screen, we have a $1 tier, a $5 tier where you get access to the Discord. You get all the betting picks, all the betting plays, the $10 tier. You're eligible for giveaways each and every month. Like we said, we're doing the sneaker giveaway for September. We're doing it on Monday, that is November 6th, I believe. And then we have a $20 tier, which is the shout outs and the merch discounts as well. We got Abel Resin, Mahul Patel, Ben Coltsian, Christopher Velasquez, Derek Plates, Dylan Chadwick, Jerry Shapiro, Jordan Riley, Mike Stevens, Mike Wozniak, Nick Crummich, and Thomas Robinson. And then we have a $40 tier on the Patreon, which... I think in the description, it even says you're a crazy son of a bitch for being in this tier. And we appreciate it. We got three of you in there. So thank you all so much for being members of the Patreon. That's patreon.com slash veterans minimum. Harden, Harden, Harden. James Harden gets traded to the LA Clippers. And immediately, I got a lot of people that hit me up about this because... No, I sound like a broken record. Still think he was the MVP the year that Russell Westbrook won it. When Russ won it in 2016, Harden needed like 89 more uh, rebounds in order to average a triple-double that year. And the only reason why he didn't get it was because Russ averaged a triple-double. But I'm still scarred because I had a 20-1 to on James Harden to win MVP. And he should have been the MVP. But anyway, the reason why I'm saying all that, though, is to add context to this rant that I'm about to go on because I was pro James Harden. I was pro Houston Rockets. I thought they were the only team that could go toe-to-toe with the Warriors during the Splash Brothers era and the KD Warriors as well. 
but he gets traded for three picks, a 2028 unprotected first round pick. And yo, I don't get it, dude. I don't get it. It's like, I don't understand why teams continue to do this. This is his fourth team in four seasons. Bro, at what point is it you? I've talked about the divorce analogy over and over again. If I, if I got married and divorced four times in six years, I think my friends would turn to me and be like, hey, man, I don't think it was Susie and Val and Katie. Maybe you're a piece of shit, bro. Maybe you're the issue here. And like, how does this not apply to James Harden? You're, you're getting everything you want. You want it to go to Brooklyn. You, if you go further back, you want it out of OKC, which I understand that because you want it to be like your own guy and have your own team. And it worked out for you, right? You wanted them to go to Philly. Now you want it out of Philly. You go to the Clippers. It's like, bro, how many times are we going to let this dude just do this? And how many times are teams just going to fall for this trap? Because you know what's going to happen? The same shit happens everywhere. I won't forget his first game with Embiid and the Sixers. They were doing the high pick and roll. And people were like, oh, my God, how are you going to stop this? Who's, who's going to stop this? And I said, James Harden. <laughs> James Harden is going to fuck this whole thing up. And that's exactly what happened. He's no longer there. Who are you bidding against if you're the Clippers? It's like you gave up a lot. Like there were no other teams that were in the sweepstakes for James Harden. I think a lot of that had to do with what I've been saying all these years. Like, yo, this guy just goes to every organization and just butches it. Just every single time they mortgage the franchise for him. It's just bad, bad decisions across the board. And then when you just look at the makeup of the team now, you got four guys that all need the rock. Kawhi, Paul George, Russ, and him in order for them to be successful. All of them are over 30 years old now. They're like, they're still in their prime, relatively speaking, but there's a lot of unknown. Bro, Paul George was wearing a Where's Waldo outfit for Halloween. Talk about, you're asking for this, bro. With that playoff record and playoff resume and... For every for every 12 of 18 from the field, you follow up with four straight, like seven of 28s, six of 25s. And you have these weak-ass performances in the playoffs. Those those memes are going to come back, bro. You asked for this for this Halloween fit that you had. But just no, notorious dud and egg performers are on this team outside of Kawhi. But this is also Kawhi of four or five years ago that we're talking about. Now Kawhi's had multiple season-ending injuries and he's been operated on the last couple of years. And it's just a weird, weird, weird move for me. I think when you're looking at it, like they, they still can't touch Denver. Like they still have nothing to stop Jokic. Zubak, congrats, if that's going to be your answer. But I don't understand why you make this move. If you're hardened, more power to you that you have this kind of this kind of sauce in the league and you can make these moves and orchestrate these deals for you to get moved. I think it's more of an organization standpoint. And I think it's just hilarious that the Clippers gave up what they gave up. And also, I don't think it really does anything for them. You just got four guys that all need the ball. The spacing is going to be weird. And you got three of the four guys are notorious playoff just. Duds, gearing you're out. They just have these bad performances. 
And it's going to be fun to see what happens with Paul George, Kawhi, Harden, and Russ. And when I say fun, I'm saying like the shit that's going to fall from that is going to be hilarious because when you have, when you have personalities like that and all of them need the ball in order to flourish, you're going to run into some issues and there'll be times where all four of them are going to be rocking and rolling and it'll look good, but this is not going to end well. You know why? Because it hasn't ended well his last four stops. So congrats if you're a Clippers fan, the the 27 of you that are out there. Um, enjoy. And, and don't say we didn't warn you because we talked about it when he left to go to Brooklyn. We talked about it when he left to go to the Sixers. We're talking about it now when he left to go to the Clippers. Him and Kyrie Irving are the same exact player. Amazing talents. Generational talents change the game at their position. But also one has been on four teams in six years. The other is on his fourth team in four years. It's everybody else's fault but you, bro. Eventually, I think we need to have that conversation. Before we wrap up, let's give one more shout out to one of our sponsors, and that is Fly Me Out. Fly Me Out scouts and curates trips to some of the world's most exciting locations. Those who join only need to purchase their slot. They take care of everything else from logistics and activities. It's a great way to meet and network with top achievers and innovators from various industries. Listeners of the show, if you ever feel the urge to break away and discover the world with a like-minded tribe, let me introduce you to Fly Me Out, the premier social travel club. Imagine if LinkedIn, Airbnb, and Raya had a travel-loving baby whether you're looking to network with professionals on a beach or bond with creatives in the heart of a city, Fly Me Out has got you covered. Dive into curated experiences and with their platform, it's never been easier to find your tribe and see the globe. Don't just travel, make memories. Go download the app, Fly Me Out. Use the promo code VM1 for expedited application review. That is Fly Me Out. Use the code VM1 for expedited application review. We thank Fly Me Out. We thank Blue Chew. We thank Wager Attack. We thank Patreon. And we thank all of you guys for listening. It goes a long way. Please tag us. Please share. Please tell your friends, your girlfriends, your parents, your grandparents, everybody DGENs nowadays. Let them know about the show. Tag us. We'll repost you. We're giving away merch. We're doing a lot of cool shit here, and I appreciate you all. The growth of this show has been amazing through the first two months of the football season. Hoping to continue. Got some fun stuff planned over the next couple of weeks, and I'm super grateful to everyone that listens and continues to listen and supports the show. And you could do that by following and leaving a review, comment on the post, anywhere at Veterans Minimum. You look us up, you'll find us, and we will catch you guys next time on VM. I'm a gold medalist, bronze like your medalist. So many deer in headlights, but it's bedtime. Hear that supper bell, main course, beat of venison. Zab. Most dangerous game. Either kill or be killed.